I took in the Buffalo Bills seventh training camp practice from the field, and I have plenty to say about what I observed today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, my week in Western New York continues with another Buffalo Bills practice. After a day off on Wednesday, the team was back on the field on Thursday, and I had a great time watching the practice. I took in this practice from the field, which was really cool. Got a chance to walk around and get my eyes right there on stuff. And so I have some great takeaways to share with you today as I had a different vantage point for this practice. Uh, The day started with some rain, really rainy start. I was nervous it was going to be kind of swampy out there, but it cleared up about 10 minutes before the Bills started practicing. And it was a beautiful, beautiful morning here in Western New York or out in Rochester, right? That's where we were. I'm driving back and forth from Buffalo to Rochester uh, for practice. So uh, big thanks, as always, to Aunt Karen for allowing me to take over her house. I'm in her kitchen right now. It's a podcast studio, and so I know that um, you know she's been so nice and gracious to allow us to come in and use her space. And so uh, it's been cool. A lot of you guys have left a comment on YouTube uh, saying thanks to Aunt Karen, and I've shared them all with her, and she's really enjoying that. So big shout-out to Aunt Karen for hosting me this week and allowing me to pretty much take over the house here. Uh, So it's been really, really cool. And obviously you can tell that I'm not in my typical setup. Um, And so, of course, I wanted to let anybody know that's watching on YouTube. Yeah, we got a little different setup usually, but we're on the road and we got to get these observations to you. So let's get started. I want to talk about the offense first. The way that I want to structure today's conversation is the offense and the offensive skill players, then the trenches, O-line and D-line, and then kind of the back seven on defense and some of the impressions that I had Um, on offense. I want to start with Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis just continues to impress me this week. And I hope one thing that you guys have realized about me as a podcaster and an analyst of football is that I don't cling to my priors. If there's new information, I'm willing to adjust my expectations and my messaging. And the way I've observed Gabe Davis this week has really changed in some ways the perception that I have on him as a football player he's been really good and it's the route running to all levels of the field that really continues to impress me you're seeing him really do a good job early in routes to create leverage he's running routes with multiple breaks there's a lot of good timing with what he's doing and there's a apparent chemistry and trust that exists with Josh Allen it's obvious if you're watching these practices it's obvious And I don't know how that's going to translate to the field, right? I felt like we had a lot of hype for Gabe Davis throughout camp last year. We had a lot of hype for Isaiah McKenzie last year. 
coming out of camp and those situations didn't go that good. But what I'm observing on the practice field is very encouraging for Gabe Davis and the trust that Josh Allen has is pretty obvious. He was good again today. Had an awesome touchdown catch. I'm sure you're going to see it. The route was terrific. On a red zone, kind of corner route, set up the defender, broke back outside. I think it was Dane Jackson in coverage. And Dane Jackson looked like he was trying to chase a rabbit to compete with that route from Gabe Davis and just another money throw. There's just something about the accuracy that Josh Allen has throwing to Gabe Davis that is really good. That chemistry is really, really good. Had another touchdown catch in team drills. Um, Corner out to the back corner of the end zone. Very tight window throw, condensed area of the field. Josh Allen put it on the money. Gabe Davis made a diving catch. I mean, he's looked really good. Another impression that I have from the offensive skill players today is the tight end creativity. Obviously, the Bills drafted Dalton Kincaid just after paying Dawson Knox. And so it was a strong assumption that tight end utilization was going to be a big part of this offense, but we're just seeing a lot of creativity as Ken Dorsey installs this offense and tinkers with things and tries to figure out what's the right plan for this offense. And whether it's middle of the field throws to Dalton Kincaid that continued to be highly successful tight end screens. You've, you saw a number of those one today to Knox one today to Kincaid. And you've seen that kind of a trend throughout the week is tight end screens. We saw Dawson Knox take another handoff today, which happened earlier in camp. And so these tight ends, Kincaid and Knox, every imaginable indication of watching practice suggests that these guys are going to be a big part of this offense. And Ken Dorsey is tinkering a lot with ways that he can deploy these players. A note on running backs. It definitely felt like this practice compared to the others that I've watched this week that Damian Harris got more opportunity with the first-team offense, a significant uptick in reps. And what's interesting about that is it's the next practice after James Cook had struggles in pass protection. And that's one of the biggest storylines with this running back group is James Cook and his assumption that he's going to be the lead back, but also that critical factor that is pass protection. Listen to any NFL offensive coordinator or any NFL running backs coach, and they say the way to get on the field as a running back is pass protection. And it's a question mark on James Cook's resume. He only had 18 pass blocking reps all of last season, including the playoffs. And from a frame perspective, he doesn't necessarily have the type of frame that translates well to pass protection. And so we saw him have those issues on Tuesday. Fast forward to the next practice on Thursday, and Damian Harris got a lot of run with the first-team offense. And, folks, he looked good. There's a decisiveness about him. There's a competitiveness about the way he runs the football, and it's a very nice complementary skill set to James Cook. And I like that they're very different backs. I think that helps the offense be more complete. But if the questions persist about James Cook in pass protection – that's going to take away from his opportunity to be on the field. I still think he's going to be the lead back. I think he's going to touch the football a lot. But I think how much is going to be dictated by how he can develop as a pass blocker. I wanted to give some flowers to Andy Isabella. I thought this was his best practice from what I've seen to this point. 
couple of really nice uh, catches over the middle of the field, uh, showing good separation ability. You know, the Bills do a good job of allowing their slot receiver to be in positions where they can read leverage and get open. And I thought there were two really good plays in team drills, not from Josh Allen. It was, you know, depth. We're talking Matt Barkley throws to Andy Isabella, but where he was able to shake a defender, create space, and catch the football over the middle of the field. Now, Andy Isabella, I think he's got an uphill climb to make this roster. He's still not getting reps with the second team. It's it's pretty much all third team right now. And I think the Bills will roster six wide receivers, and surely five of them are Diggs, Davis, Shakir, Sherfield, and Hardy. And so your sixth receiver, I would assume, is Justin Shorter. And so I think the path for Andy Isabella to make the roster is – he's got to bump Justin Shorter off or there has to be an injury. And so I think that's a bit of a a tall task, but I think if there's a place that can really help unlock Andy Isabella, it might be the bills. Um, Kind of an interesting situation in Arizona, Baltimore for a little bit last year, those are wide receiver needy teams. And you'd like to think that Isabella in Cliff Kingsbury's air raid spread system, that that would be a decent opportunity, but you know, they were still trying to figure out everything there in Arizona and Kyler Murray, kind of a wild card quarterback in some ways. Maybe the Bills are the team that can help unlock him. I think at a minimum, he'll probably be a practice squad player. And um, as the Bills learn more about him and what he can do, you know, that could change things. But a good practice from Andy Isabella. I also noticed Deontay Hardy in a lot of ways in the practice on Thursday. Uh, not necessarily that he made a ton of plays, but how the offense was using him with a lot of motion um, and a lot of the stuff that you would have seen in the past from Isaiah McKenzie. And I think that type of role is kind of what I'm I'm anticipating for Hardy. And and you saw some of those parallels today. Um, Obviously he's going to have that first opportunity to be the return guy. And so um, that skill set's really interesting. And I think it opens up some things for this offense and, I think Deontay Hardy as the Isaiah McKenzie player is more intriguing because he's just a better route runner with better hands. And so every bit as much of a dynamic playmaker in terms of speed and elusiveness and creativity with the ball in his hands, but better ball handling, better route running, better hands altogether. I think Deontay Hardy could have a chance to be a nice ancillary piece of this Bill's offense. Uh, real quick on Josh Allen, I thought it was a mixed bag from him on Thursday. You saw some good stuff, some really good throws, um, Josh being Josh, but you also saw a couple of interceptions. He caught, saw a batted pass at the line of scrimmage. A.J. Epinesa did a really good job of sniffing that out and getting his hands up into the throwing lane and affecting it, which was something that he showed us last year in a lot of ways. But uh, two interceptions, one to Dane Jackson, one to Kyer Elam, both on some shorter throws to his left. Good breaks on the football by those those guys, but I wouldn't say that this was his best day or his worst day. I mean, Josh was unbelievable on Monday. And then Tuesday, the entire offense struggled, including Josh. And then today was probably somewhere in the middle of that. And that's to be expected. Offenses are typically behind defenses. And Josh Allen even said himself, listening to his press conference, that, hey, we're trying things out. We're trying to figure out you know, what we like, what we're good at, and build it. And so, yeah, there's tinkering, there's experimentation. And so when things aren't perfect for Josh Allen during a training camp practice, just understand that some of it could be that. And so, again, three days of practice I've observed this week. One was amazing. 
One was poor and one was somewhere in the middle. And I think that's a pretty reasonable trajectory or, you know, ups and downs of training camp, especially within the first seven practices. All right, folks, we're going to talk about the O-line and D-line here after a quick break. But first, I need to tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And it is so easy to create a free job post over at LinkedIn Jobs. And once you do, you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, welcome back. Let's talk about the trenches here, some O-line and D-line notes that I have for you. We'll start with the offensive line as we conclude kind of our big offensive takeaways to start the podcast. But I know the big storyline here continues to be right guard and what's happening with this competition between Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance. And for another day, you saw a very consistent mix of both of those players with the first team. And there's some drills where the first guy at right guard is Ryan Bates. There's some drills where the first guy at right guard is Osiris Torrance. And here's the most important thing that I can tell you about Osiris Torrance is I really focused on him more today. He's holding his own. There's never been a moment when watching Osiris Torrance where I feel like he's been overmatched, where I thought he was making mental mistakes. I think he's today he had a really good block in the in uh, the inside run session of practice where he climbed to the second level and sealed off Matt Milano took a good angle was able to hold him off and Matt tried to kind of contort his frame and work around him but Torrance won the rep and I don't think you typically watched Osiris Torrance at Florida and said hey he's rangy and is going to be an asset climbing to the second level well I saw it happen against an all pro today he's holding his own in there he really is and I feel or I'm at least gaining comfort if he were to win this job. And so I think there's good momentum for Osiris Torrance. He's continuing to get a lot of opportunity. And then you still love having Ryan Bates. If Ryan Bates doesn't win the job, he's such an asset because of his versatility. Could step in at any position at any time. Now, one thing that I observed when I was at practice at the end, so the team did the practice, then they did their They did some wind sprints to close out the practice and then stretched. And as I was walking around the track, Spencer Brown was in obvious pain. He tried to bend over and pick up his helmet. He couldn't do it. And then he walked off the practice field just very, very tight. You can just tell just everything was stiff. And, you know, he has a history of back problems. And so I, you know, I I shared on Twitter what I saw, you know, a guy that was couldn't bend over to pick off, pick up his helmet, extremely stiff and uncomfortable with how he was walking. And he was surrounded by four or five different, different trainers. Um, who knows what the issue is? It could be back spasms. Um, you saw a couple of different bills beat reporters say that afterwards, um, while they were eating in the dining hall, that Spencer Brown was on 
uh, the electric bike and went really fast by them. And so it could be a big nothing burger, but he probably had some back spasms or something caused it to tight up. He got massaged, got a little heat on it, a little, you know, cold treatment perhaps, and moved on with his day. I don't know the severity, but I observed that. And so I wanted to share that with, with everyone, especially considering just the history there with his back. And, you know, he was really in, in some discomfort and he was really, really tight uh, from the waist up. Um, one thing though, like is if we were to speculate that there's persistent back issues and Spencer Brown was not going to be available this season or something like that, like let's let our minds wander. So far, what I've seen is the first guy in at right tackle every time has been Brandon Shell, and he seems to be a, the right tackle, the number two right tackle, and David Questenbury, the number two left tackle. I also wonder if this became an issue, if there's a path for Ryan Bates to be the right tackle. I just The good thing is there's options, but I would assume if, if Brown were to miss time, Brandon Shell. And then if that doesn't work out, you have Ryan Bates. So just some thoughts there as we, or I at least observed what happened today with Spencer Brown. Uh, let's talk about the defense. We'll start with the trenches. And the big thing here with the with the Bills on defense in general to, for me today was Leonard Floyd. Um, this was the first time that I saw him get the first first team reps over AJ Epinesa. So three practices and the first defensive end opposite of Greg Rousseau has been AJ Epinesa. Well, today it was not. It was Leonard Floyd, and he looked really good. I thought he was excellent on Tuesday, and then he got the opportunity to run with the first team on Thursday, and he delivered. Um, had s- several good pressures. My favorite rep was against Brandon Shell. Uh, completely dusted him in a, a team drill, 11-on-11 11 11 passing rep, where he got off the line quick, used a Euro step, then he flattened crossed face and finished right it was a really good rush and um had another good pressure as well that one would have been a sack where the like the play was blown dead um but Leonard Floyd continues to stack some good practices together and really kind of force the issue here when you think about this defensive end rotation that it's a it's really good it's really good um with Rousseau and Floyd and Epinesa and Shaq Lawson and Boogie Basham and Shane Ray and oh by the way there's this guy named Von Miller that's going to come back at some point and so one of the things that really fascinates me is what do they do do they roster five to start the year do they trade somebody if you trade somebody who well you're not going to trade Von Miller you're not trading Greg Rousseau you're not trading Leonard Floyd A.J. Epinesa just came off of a a six-and-a-half sack season where there was a lot of growth. He looks good in camp. It's a contract year. You really want to trade him? Boogie Basham entering his third season. Maybe he's the guy, but, I mean, wouldn't that just be a major disappointment to have missed on so many day-two picks of late and then you send Basham away and he winds up being a hit but not for you? I don't think you want to live in that world. I don't think Shaq Lawson has much trade value. If he had any trade value, some other team would have pursued him at some point over the last two years. And so it's like the obvious position that you would think about some trade candidates, but who, like what actually makes sense? So I'm pretty fascinated to see how this all plays out. Another guy that I thought popped again today was Shane Ray. Um, One of my favorite things about watching the Bills practice is when they do one-on-ones, for the O-line, D-line, it's really two-on-two, which makes a lot of sense. One of my biggest gripes about watching O-line, D-line, like one-on-one pass rush drills is it's like, okay, there's no rush lane. 
there's all the space in the world for the defender to do whatever they want. It's it's so skewed towards them. What the Bills do is it's two on two. It's a tackle and a guard or a center and a guard versus, you know, what an edge and an interior guy or two interior guys, whatever it is. And that gives you real looks that make sense, right? Nobody, there's never a pass rush rep in the history of football where it's one player on the field versus one player on the field. And you get some good looks. I say all that to say that Shane Ray in those drills does a good job as a looper. And when you do have those two man games working together, you can work on your stunts. And Shane Ray is, is just continues to impress me with his ability to work as that looper. And sometimes they'll have a guy kind of set and he'll loop around and you see a lot of bursts in that, just that ability to kind of run tight circles around. And, and he's very effective as that looper type player. Uh, something that Melvin Ingram is very, very good at. There's a name. Hopefully that can kind of help paint the picture. What I mean by this looper type guy. Um, and Shane Ray's just another guy here in this mix at edge that has popped for a couple of days. And, you know, it's a great redemption story. And I'm anxious to kind of see how it all unfolds. I mentioned Boogie Basham. Uh, he continues to get a ton of inside rush reps along with Greg Rousseau today, got some more opportunities doing that, but saw Basham drop into coverage a little bit, play on the edge. In fact, one of his coverage reps was against Latavius Murray and he had to carry Latavius Murray on a wheel route down the sideline and he stayed stride for stride with him. And so I'm interested to see, you know, like we talked about Basham and the athletic profile that he has. And I think the bills are being versatile with him. They're giving him the opportunities to do a lot of different things right now. And I think that's probably tapping into his athleticism. And I think he, you know, from a body composition, I think he looks really, really good right now. It seems like he's confident. I'm not promising anything with Boogie Basham, but the bills are certainly tinkering a lot with how they're deploying him. And I think that's good for him in his long-term future um, this year. You know, I know I said long-term, but like if he can show to do all these types of things, it's going to help expand his role and will help him to be a, a potentially a long-term player for this football team, as opposed to, well, you just kind of stick with him through his rookie contract and hope at some point the light bulb turns on. The Bills are being deliberate with giving him some new chances to do things, and um, that's been one of my big observations now for three days in a row is that, hey, they're doing a lot with Boogie Basham, and um, some of it looks pretty good. The last note here that I'll make with the defensive line is Jordan Phillips. And Jordan Phillips is not practicing. He's on the pup list. And Sean McDermott during his press conference today talked about, look, um, Jordan Phillips, we kind of check in with him every other day. He's not day-to-day. We're just monitoring, and it doesn't seem like his return is imminent. But I can really appreciate Jordan Phillips and his attention at practice. I mean, this guy isn't in pads. He's in street clothes, but he's in every huddle. Uh, he's around the guys. He's taking inventory on you know what plays are being called and what guys are doing, and just there's a lot of interaction. He's really dialed in, and you don't see that all the time from pup players, right? I've I've watched plenty of NFL practices, and the guys that are hurt typically off to the side, casually pedaling on the stationary bike, you know, just doing some rehab type stuff off to the side. No, Jordan Phillips is in. He's in it, and you could tell that, and it's something that I think anyone could appreciate observing him and you know understanding the injuries that he's had but still being dialed in as a teammate and you know making sure that whenever he's ready uh to go from a health perspective that mentally he's also ready to go and and i i really appreciate that about jordan phillips with how he's attacking things all right folks we're going to talk about the back seven on defense here in just a moment but first august is here and you know what that means the official start of fantasy football drafting month 
to get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball and underdog fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades, and then underdog sets your best lineup every week. Try it out with underdog's best ball mania tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back and it's even bigger with 15 million dollars of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd three million dollars going to the winner. Last year, the winner actually drafted their team in July, so there's no reason to wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. All right, folks, let's talk a little bit about the back seven on defense. As always, I would like to let you know, hey, check out the Locked On Bills subtext community. Something new that we're offering. We started like three months ago. It's been awesome. One-on-one text conversations with me. It's a direct line. I'm only a text message away. We could talk Bills football, and I love doing it. I uh, also send out mass text messages all the time. So like before I recorded this podcast, I sent a bunch of notes out to the subtext community. Uh, you get herd mentality, priority. We've done some giveaways. Check it out. The Locked On Bill subtext community. There is a link in today's show notes that you can click on and join. So whether you're on YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, check out the show notes. Click on the link for the Locked On Bill subtext community and check out what's going on there. It's really, really fun. And um, I hope that uh, you'll check it out. All right, so back seven on defense, Terrell Bernard got the first team reps at linebacker today, and this was something that I was curious to find out because it felt like Balin Specter got skipped in terms of his chance to run with the first team, and I think he's out of the race. Sean McDermott commented on Balin Specter before practice and said, look, um, he's a good young player. We wanted to give him a chance to – run the defense a little bit and see what it looked like. But it sounds like this is a Tyrell Dotson versus Terrell Bernard situation. And also at linebacker, and speaking of Sean McDermott, he said that Dorian Williams is only playing outside linebacker. And so that's just every indication is that this is a two-player race between Bernard and Dotson. And honestly, they're such different players. Dotson better downhill player, kind of struggles in space, but he's been around since 2019, more time on task, all that stuff applies to him. Or Terrell Bernard, maybe not as firm playing downhill, but he's athletic, has athleticism that should help him in coverage, but how good is he in coverage, right? There's some questions there. He is a third-round pick uh, from, from 2022. So a lot to sort out there between those two players, but I think we can, with some level of confidence, say that this is a two-man race between Bernard and Dotson to be the starting Mike linebacker. I thought the cornerback competition, I thought it was a really strong day for both Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson. Both worked plenty with the first team. Like I mentioned earlier, both players picked off Josh Allen in team drills. Um, you saw good breaks on the football. They were sticky in coverage. They were confident. And I, I continue to feel like Benford is getting less reps. I really feel like this is Elam and Jackson that's c- competing for this job. I just, the last couple of days, it felt like Benford's opportunity went down a little bit. And so, again, I don't have the snap counts or anything like that to give you right now, but it really does feel like it might be down to Elam and Jackson. Now, one thing that I've also observed in watching the Bills secondary for like three days in a row now is that Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and Trey White 
and even Taron Johnson to some extent, to a lesser extent, but some extent. Those guys don't practice that much, and, and that's good. Those guys are pros. I mean, Poyer Hyde, Trey White, Taron Johnson, those guys have seen so much football, It's you don't want them to get hurt. And you have a lot of young DBs that need reps, whether it's Kyer Elam or Christian Benford or Dane Jackson or Taylor Rapp or Damar Hamlin or Saran Neal. And so you could tell that the Bills are pretty intentional about limiting their practice reps. And I say that, I mean, Poyer Hyde, Trey White, and Taron Johnson, which gives all those other guys a lot of opportunity with the first-team defense. Like I mentioned, Taylor Rapp getting more run, more run for the cornerback competition to play out. Saran Neal getting more depth reps in the slot. And then there's this other guy that I keep going back to for the third day in a row, and it's Cam Lewis. He gets a lot of first-team run, folks. He does. I would if if you're making a 53-man roster projection, you should probably have Cam Lewis on it because he runs with the first team all the time. He can play in the slot. He can play safety. He plays four sp- phases of special teams. He's been around for a while. I would um, prepare for Cam Lewis to be on this roster. Closing out with a couple of notes here. We uh, listened to Sean McDermott before practice, and one thing that he said that I think would be helpful for me to share right now is that a lot of what they're doing is intentional. They're working in guys intentionally. They want to gain exposures. So like the other day, I mentioned David Edwards had some first-team reps over Connor McGovern. That's not necessarily because he's going to th- a threat to Connor McGovern for the starting left guard job, but at some point, David Edwards might have to play, and you want to see what it looks like next to Mitch Morse and Deion Dawkins and with Josh Allen. The first time that he does those things, you don't want it to be in a game. I've mentioned other guys kind of getting sprinkled in and getting looks and opportunities. You have to do that to gain those exposures and see what it looks like. You have to tinker. This is the time to do it. And so when you hear reports about who's doing what, just keep in mind that lens. I thought that was useful. Cannot wait for the scrimmage on Friday. I'll be at uh, Highmark Stadium taking that in. Hope to see you guys. If you cross my path, feel free to say hello. I love interacting with you guys. I'm looking forward to Tonight with Pat Moran at Imperial Pizza. Uh, That's pretty much next on my agenda right now. So I'm going to finish up this podcast and get it produced and then heading out there uh, to hang out with Pat Moran and as many of you guys that show up as possible. So uh, my time is winding down here in Western New York, but there's some really fun stuff left to do. And so I can't wait for the scrimmage and kind of get a feel for some of the rotations. And, you know, Sean talked about, it being a meaningful opportunity for the team to get in front of crowds and put players in different opportunities and and gain exposures, right? Not just exposure for the player, right? To, to be in those situations, but exposures for them to evaluate. And so it's a really meaningful step and I'll be back after the practice. So I'm going to drive back to Buffalo from Orchard Park and I'm going to stay up and record that podcast. And so I don't know when it'll drop, but some point, Late on Friday night, you'll get the reaction to the scrimmage, which I can't wait to do for you. So check it out. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again after the scrimmage. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.